0: This morning, please, and turn with me to Isaiah chapter number 5, Isaiah and chapter number 5. There's a parable here in the first uh, verses of Isaiah, and we'll read for our text this morning, Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Good to see guests with us today. It's good to see some folks back today that we haven't seen in a while, which is a blessing. So thank you folks for being here. It's a blessing. And uh, my heart is rejoicing this morning already. Stand with me, please, out of respect for the Word of God. And read with me in unison all four of these verses, if you will. Verses 1 through 4. Together, please. Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a winepress therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes and it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem... And men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. We lived, uh, when I was born, 1970, we lived uh, in a place called Startown, off of Startown Road near Newton Conover near Hickory, North Carolina, and um, Colonial Hills. Is that right, the community, the neighborhood, what was it called Colonial Hill? West Hills, West Side Hills? That sounded like Colonial and West Side. Sounds like uh, anyway, um, West Side Hills uh, development. And um, I remember when Dad planted some apple trees, and uh, they were small, and we waited several years for them to come up. You know, if you wait a couple years, a couple three years, whatever, to get fruit off of an apple tree. And it came time for them to bear fruit, and they were loaded with these tiny little apples. And weeks went by, and they were still tiny, and weeks went by, and they were still tiny. Come to find out, they were crab apples. <laughs> what a disappointment. <laughs> what a disappointment. That didn't turn out the way we had expected, but I, but I, I remember that. And uh, such is life. Life doesn't always go the way we thought it was going to go, does it? And the verse says in verse 4, the phrase I want you to focus on with me, what could have been done more to my vineyard? Here's a man, he had a fertile piece of, piece of ground. He chose the best seeds. He, 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 he prepared the soil, prepared, he put a fence around it, put a tower, protection, everything was in place. Even built a wine press by faith in anticipation of a great harvest whereby he would use the wine press. But he didn't get to use it because what came up was wild grapes. Instead, and, he, and, he, and in, in, in his remorse, he said, What could have I done more? What was left undone? Why didn't it turn out the way that I anticipated? I want to speak to you on this subject this morning making the most of your life. Making the most of your life. Father, please, I pray this morning that you will take the thoughts that you've laid upon my heart for this hour and through the power of the Holy Spirit communicate them. The hearts of your people, uh, to the strengthening of our lives, to the convictions of our hearts, uh, to the salvaging of our relationships, and for the beautifying of our future, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. I have five words that I want to give you this morning in this morning's message. Five words, 15 sub points, 10 points, three jokes, and one tear jerking illustration. Uh, now, I have five words, five words that I want to give you. I want to be uh, very, very practical this morning, and I want to go ahead and prepare you. Uh, I'm going to be sometimes frank this morning, and I'm trusting the Lord to let me do that so in a tasteful manner. Uh, and uh, But I want to be very practical, but I also want to be frank this morning. Um, uh, no one's life, no one's life will meet all of the expectations that were once laid out for that life. I understand that to be true. But what a sad thing it would be to come to the near the end of your life and look back with remorse, hoping to have enjoyed a harvest of grapes, only to say, I harvested bitterness, bitter grapes. This little story tonight, this morning, life doesn't always go. Sermons don't always go the way you think they were going to go. This, uh, this little thought this, this morning brought to my mind five words that I want to share with you. The first word is the word anticipation. This parable speaks of anticipation. Here's a man who could probably taste the grape juice uh as he as he worked hard to prepare that soil. And by the way, they didn't they didn't have tractors in that day. And they didn't have uh even the uh uh even the some of the plows that we have. Uh, very crude instruments. But he did the work and put in the toil and the sweat and prepared his land. Uh building a fence is not an easy job, especially with crude instruments. And uh, but all the work was done and the toil and the waiting the preparation the dressing of the vines that means that means uh, uh uh the support system for the vines and all that goes into that some of you know about that and then came the time when it was to, uh, to taste the fruit of his labor and yet uh it came instead with disappointment so this is a parable about anticipation do you ever think about this much of the first part of our life is spent looking forward you know when i was a teenage boy when I was a teenage boy, I wanted to, I looked forward to being married and having children. I looked forward to that. And quite frankly, I don't understand a young person who doesn't look forward to that. I really don't. I was looking forward to that. Now, I'm sure it has a lot to do with my, the security of my home and the example that was set forth before me in my parents uh, uh, and, uh, and the, the love they had for each other. I'm sure I was shaped in large part by that. But I remember as a teenager thinking, "Wow, well, one day I want to have my own family. I'm going to have a wife, and uh, and uh, and I have kids. and And I looked forward to that. Uh, we we often say that about uh, life. I can't wait until I can't wait till I have a husband, till I have a wife, till I get married, till I have kids. I can't wait till I graduate. I can't wait till I'm finished with this phase of life. We uh, for years we would call that uh, first Monday of the summer. I think my le- recollection is right. Might be like that colonial west side thing. Anyway, but uh best I can recollect, uh, but it was right near the beginning of the summer. Uh we dad started a Christian school the year I was born, nineteen seventy, and it's still in operation today, in Hickory, North Carolina. And anyway, that's that uh when we finished the school year, we typically started a little earlier than the public system and finished a little earlier than the public system, and so we had uh, a week or two in there, where we would head on down to Carowinds, the amusement park, as a family. We'd go early in the week when the crowd wasn't there and the kids weren't out of school, and uh, it typically was there's little waiting. And I remember the anticipation, the waiting for that Monday to come when we would head out and go as a family uh, down to Carowinds. Now, uh, let, let me say we we are living in an instant world. Uh, uh, this instant world that we live in. Uh, with its instant grits and uh, instant uh, uh, connections, instant coffee, uh, instant credit, instant purchases, <clears throat> instant information retrieval. It has its positive, its positives and its negatives. It has its positives and its, its negatives. Uh, the access to, to, to information, and good information, uh, is one of the positives. I was at my desk, I was working this week, and my uh, uh, my wife called, and she said, "Honey, look at—we had a song. Uh, let's see. My brother, oldest brother, sang, and who sang with him? And my sister, my older brother and sister sang. Uh, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. That song at our wedding." And uh, there's another song or two with a similar title. And she was looking for the song. And she said, honey, I can't find this song. And I was at my desk. I was right at my computer. Tick, 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 tick. In about five seconds. And I said, here it is. I'm going to... Uh, so we bought, within a minute, uh, 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 we bought the book and the CD. And, uh, and, uh, and so uh, then she said, uh, I need something else. And then within a few minutes, I spent another $50. And... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, so instant, instant expenditures, instant grits. Now I like microwaves. Amen. I like being able to warm up. Uh, how many of you warm up your coffee in the microwave? If it gets a little cool, you'll warm it up. All right. And uh, so we go back and forth to that in the morning several times. But uh, but but there's 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 certainly benefits uh, to that. But there's there's also some some negatives. Uh, access to good information is a positive. But but the converse of that is we don't always know who we're listening to. You can find somebody to tell you how to do something, but you don't know. You always know who's telling you. Right. I remember when we lived over here. Mom and Dad live over here now, uh, but the house we lived here uh, 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 behind the church for eleven years, and it's right behind, you know, just beyond the, 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 the parking lot here. And so we, I wanted to build a walkway uh, from from the back of the house. Uh, up to the parking lot, so we didn 't have to go around we could just walk right up there and so you know I just just heard about this YouTube thing you know I want to try this YouTube thing, and so I got on YouTube and and looked up how to make a walkway, and I watched this fifteen minute uh, video on how to make a walkway and watch the guy make his walkway. We got to the very end. The guy said, Well, this turned out pretty good for my first time. And I thought, You mean I just spent 15 minutes listening to a guy tell me how to make a walkway? He's never done it before in his life. So the point is, you don't always know who you're listening to. So there are positives and negatives. Hey, here's a positive. Uh, you can save a lot of time. You have re- ready access to information, meaning you can learn remotely, you can learn quickly, but the, the downside of that is wasted time because you have too much in information coming your way and that decreases your focus, makes us easily attractive. But here is the biggest negative of all. Listen carefully. Maybe the biggest, one of the biggest negatives of all and that is this. The instant world in which we live has nearly spoiled for us the joy of anticipation. We are so used to having everything right away when we want it. It's a touch, touch of a button away, much of the world. And we have, we have forgotten the joy of anticipation. You know, there, there was a day in time where you looked forward to a letter in the mailbox. Now you despise your inbox. Can I get a witness right there? Fifty gazillion emails before five o'clock in the morning. How in the world is that? And, uh, but anyway, but we used to look forward to that. Uh, snail mail. <laughs> and other things we used to look forward to. Uh, we used to look forward to going to town. Uh, America, by the way, America was much better off when she was a rural country. And, uh, it doesn't make you unspiritual to live in the city by any means. But, uh, there are challenges that come with living on top of each other. And America, uh, lived a little closer to the earth back in the day, uh, uh, when she was more of a rural, uh, community. And folks look forward to things. You look forward to going into town and so forth. Now here's the sad thing. Now here's the sad thing. Waiting is no longer a joy. By and large, in this day and age in which we live, waiting is no longer a joy. It's a frustration. Think about that for a moment. This parable is about anticipation. Listen, one of the great things about life is 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 learning to enjoy or renewing the joy of anticipation. Now, I, I think that uh, there is a balance between being wistful and hey, on a on a whim, hey, let's do this, something unexpected. Uh, uh, but 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 living your whole life flying by the seat of your pants is not really a healthy way to live. In one of the things it'll do, it'll rob you of the joy of anticipation. Now we enjoyed as a family the annual trip to the amusement park, but we enjoyed it for weeks and even months to come because we knew it was coming and we looked forward to it and therein is a joy that is by and large being lost in today's society hey don't spoil the joy of anticipation what could have been done more this is a parable about anticipation listen my pastor used to say this brother well, how would you say this don't rush the washing machine and what he meant by that is you're not going to accomplish in the washing process what you want to accomplish if you rush the washing machine what he was saying is a uh, 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 slow down and enjoy each stage of your life where you are, enjoy that. Look forward to what is coming. Don't spoil uh, 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 the future with frustration. Rather, look with joy in anticipation. Let me speak to young people primarily this morning. Uh, again, I, I'm going to say some things. I'm going to be a little frank. I'm going to be very practical. And it's a little bit like a counseling session this morning. I've taught some of this to our young people. And I'm teaching to everyone, parents, so you know what I'm teaching to your children. Uh, that you entrust to me, I try to teach our young people to pace their relationships. To pace their relationships. Listen, you you get you will get yourself in trouble if young people, especially if you go too fast in a relationship. What you ought to do is think about your life, your life goals, where you're headed in life. You ought to do this with your parents' account. Uh, uh, If need be, uh, am I back on? All right, there I am again. Uh, uh, but but you you uh, should get some guidance from some wise, godly people. Your parents primarily, uh, uh, but other wise leaders in this regard. But but many a young person listen. Many a young person has gotten them, good. Young people have gotten themselves in trouble because they didn't take wisdom on this account. Listen to me. Look, look listen. If if you're 12 years old and you're already in love. I, I I listen if you listen to what I'm saying it will add, this will add joy to your life if you will pace your relationships uh, 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 if you will say you know what down the road there I I'm, I'm getting I'm not saying you can't meet in the fifth grade the person you're going to marry one day I'm not saying that some folks do not too many but some do some grew up playing on the playground with somebody they're going to marry one day. I'm not saying that's not possible. But what I am saying is this. Don't, don't rob yourself of the joys of a developing relationship and the sweetness of anticipation by eating the meal in one sitting. What I'm talking about is this. Here's a guy that sits down to a meal. and 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 two guys sit down to a meal. And come up here. You, you you sit down to your meal, and you're going to enjoy each bite. Okay, you're going to enjoy each bite. This is going to uh, represent the man that's under we're, we're relying, uh, applying this to relationships now, uh, that is uh, is uh, taking things the right speed and so forth, and thinking it out and planning and so forth. And uh, and and this represents the guy that just oh, oh I met a pretty girl. Oh, I met a cute boy. All right, here we go. We're going to start a meal. Ready? One, two, three, go. Burp. He's still on his second bite. He's still enjoying the, the, uh, the, uh, what do you call that before the meal? Appetizer. The appetizer. But here you are, you just, you said, you don't have it, there's nothing left to say. Now, anyway, watch me and I'm going to help you right here. You will go so far emotionally in a relationship that you have nowhere else to go. And the only way to get closer is to get close physically. And you will cross a line physically that belongs only inside the bounds of marriage. Why? Because you didn't have enough sense not to tell her, I love you the second day you met her. Thank you, B.C. Somebody say amen. amen. Use some wisdom. Use some wisdom. Think about things. Hey, hey, uh, uh, we, we live in an instant world. We want instant gratification, but we lose the great joys. You can have this satisfaction. He's going to be satisfied. He's going to take his time. He's going to chew his food. He's going to take it one bite at a time. He's going to enjoy it more than I would have enjoyed my meal. I'm saying, pace your life. Pace your life. Wait for some things. Wait to experience some things. Man, I say this. I, I, let me be frank right here. God is still a God of purity. In 2023, God is still a God of purity. And in 2023, adulterers and whoremongers, God still judges. Say amen. I know it's Sunday morning. This is a Bible. This is a church. I'm a preacher of this book right here. And my Bible says God is for purity and holiness and chastity and sanctity. Somebody say amen. Amen. Men, listen to me. If you're going to take liberties with a lady, then by all means have the decency to make a formal, legal commitment to her. If you do not, you're a thief. Thank you, Brother Willis. Appreciate that. Amen. Now you say, well, that's we don't do it that way. Exactly. We don't do it that way in our society anymore. And let me tell you why. Why our homes are crumbling because we have left the principles of this book right here. Don't miss don't miss the joy of anticipation. Purity has many joys, and one of them is anticipation. Now I'm going to be very frank here. I do my best to be very well read, for your sakes, for my own sake, for my family's sake, but for your sake, as as a con- as congregants. One of the most fascinating books I read last year was a book called Neuroplasticity, which is a study of the human brain, because of uh, uh, MRI, fMRI imaging, you can actually study the brain, you can look at the paths that are being, uh, circuits or the grooves, if you will, that are being made in the brain. This field of study, s- number of years ago now, found that the brain of a homosexual was actually wired differently than other people's brains. And those who lauded the idea that, you know, you're born... Uh, A homosexual said, look, see the science is there, except when a person left the degradation of that lifestyle, their brain rewired to its normal condition. So there's two things there. Number one, it debunks the idea that you were born that way. You weren't born that way. it's, It's a sinful choice that you made, and you paid for it spiritually but also physically. But there's hope in that too, and that is if you have crossed those barriers, you can walk in holiness and do right, and you can get your brain back in shape. Amen? You don't have to live forever with a reprobate mind is what Romans 1 calls it. Scientifically, we know and understand what that means. Now, listen to me carefully. This is very frank. I have often puzzled why there are so many lovely, godly, spiritual young ladies who have not met their mate. And I'm absolutely, absolutely certain that it is congruent with the plague and proliferation of filthy material that men are feasting their eyes on, even from childhood. And now the science is there to prove it. Neuroplasticity has taught us that when you, and by the way, this science shows us that illicit material is as, it is as or more addictive than the hardest drugs you could buy off the street. It is addictive. And when you listen to me, I'm talking about. And by the way, this is this this used to be a scourge for men primarily, but it's a scourge uh, for 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 men and women now, in this day and time. I know this is frank, but listen to me. I'm trying to help you. You listen to me when you when you engage when you uh, look at that garbage. Your brain literally rewires. It releases chemicals to your brain, uh, uh, endorphins and things like that, that feel good chemicals uh, that that go to your brain, and you become addicted. Listen to me. And it will literally, it will literally interrupt your physical ability to enjoy the natural relationship between a husband and a wife. Now, you listen to me. You say, What does that make of me? I'm going to be frank with you. It makes you a pervert. That's what it makes you. Listen to me. I love you, but don't be a pervert. It's okay. You can say amen. you think it's lonely out there, you should be up here. Don't be a pervert. You can get victory over this. You can say no. You can turn your eyes away. You can pray. You can have other godly men come around you. Ladies, you can have other godly ladies come around and pray with you. And I promise you, the folks sitting in this room that have been there and have gotten victory, and you can have victory too. What are you doing? You're, you're, you're destroying. Listen, young man, or perhaps young lady, you're destroying your future. Listen, no, 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 don't, don't spoil the joy of anticipation. Don't, don't pick the fruit before it's ripe. Wait, wait. Pace your life. Think about your future. Live with anticipation of what God will give you in due time. Let me give you a second word. This parable is about preparation. Preparation. The question is asked in our text, what could have been done more? You see, all the, all the work was done, but there was a disappointing harvest the fruit did not come to pass as was anticipated. Why? A lack of preparation. You see, without preparation, listen to this statement, without preparation, anticipation turns to disappointment. Without preparation, anticipation turns to disappointment. Now, young people look at You ought to be looking for the right kind of young person. But, but, but if you have a list, these are, the, these are the ten things that I'm looking for in a wife, ten things I'm looking for in a man. Uh, 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 tall, uh, dark, handsome, wavy hair, uh, 30 inch waist, uh, 36 inch chest, um, quit describing me, uh uh, anyway, uh, uh, um, now, now listen, if you, if you want a good mate, you want a good mate, I'm not saying you shouldn't be, uh, have some discrimination when it comes to your choice, uh, but, 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 but let me help you, tell me I help you more, you you want you want Mr. Wonderful make you a list of Miss Wonderful and you become Miss Wonderful. You want Miss Wonderful make you a list of Mr. Wonderful and you become Mr. Wonderful. Don't don't run from preparation. The Bible said it is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Listen to that statement. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Parents, listen to me carefully. Now, I understand this as a parent. Uh, we 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 want our kids to have the best, and 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 especially if we hearken back even yet another generation, the generation before me, but even the generation before that, uh, which most of that generation is gone now. Some some still living, but if you hearken back two generations, you go back. Those who fought in our world wars, if you will, uh, those folks knew and understood hardship, and those folks built our country. They have been referred to uh, in writing as the, as the as the the greatest generation. We understand why, because hardship is what tests us, improves us, and helps to make us into what we ought to be. And the Bible said it is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. This 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 snowflake generation, if something doesn't go your way, you spoke think you supposed to get you a placard and march in the street and burn something, just because life's not fair, you know, because somebody won't pay my $60,000 a year college bill. Uh, that's a bunch of nonsense. You don't deserve that, and by the way, that's not worth $60,000. Anyway, but but here's what you want to do. You get your placard and you want to march around and say life's not fair, and as parents the temptation is there. We don't want our kids to struggle with some things we struggle with, and if we're not careful, we'll give them everything, but don't forget that principle. Hey, there needs to be a preparation time, and that means that means some hardship is good for our children. The Bible said, count it all joy when you fall into divers, different kinds of temptation, test trials, knowing this, that the trying, the testing of your faith worketh patience. That word patience means cheerful endurance. Count it all joy when you fall into divers, temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let, allow, listen parents, let, allow. Patience, have her perfect work, her maturing, her perfecting work, that ye may be perfect, complete, and entire, wanting or lacking nothing. What God is saying is, don't shield those kids from every hardship. Don't pull them out of every controversy. Don't scold the teacher every time somebody punches their nose on the playground. Quit running down to the principal and saying, my kid was misfeeding and calling their boss and trying to fix their problems. Let them have some hardship. Let them have some injustice. Let God perfect them. Let God grow them. Let God mature them. It is good to bear the yoke in your youth. I tell our kids when it's time to go off to college, they say God's called me to go to college. So go go, go play and go participate and uh, and get get, get ready. And, uh, and 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 it don't, it don't take a semester, year at the most. They got ten reasons why they shouldn't keep going. Now I'm gonna tell you something. Do you you know why Pastor I encourage you to do that? Well, not just so you get Bible knowledge, so you could find out what you're actually made of. And some of you find out you weren't made of what you thought you was made of. So, what's the time to do? It's not time to turn tail and run. It's time to man up. It's time to bear the yoke. I remember, my dad, my dad, when I was 18, he put his arm around me. He said, "Son, I love you. You're going to college." Uh, he said, "Well, we've got seven children in this house." He said, "So you, you'll be paying your own way. You understand that, right?" I said, "Yeah, I understand it." Now I kind of knew that already, but he, he wanted to make sure I knew it for that. And uh, and uh, and you know what? He kept his word too. That's a crazy thing. He kept his word. <laughs> I, I went to I went to college. 1988. I turned 18 in July. Went to college. I guess it was in September. I think. And I went to, I, I was going to work, working my way through, and I've told my stories, those who have been here for years, you already heard, but anyway, um, bought me a car right before, the summer before I went, spent a lot of my savings that I had for school, which was a dumb idea, he, he, he advised me not to, and I went against his advice, and and uh, I regretted that, but anyway, but it sure made good sermon illustration, uh, anyway, but, um, so I went to, to get a job, and went to orientation, my first job, Roadway Express, uh packaging company. Uh, I, guess, I don't know if they're still in existence. Are they still around? Uh, Roadway Express? Anybody? They are? Okay. Um, anyway, but, so throwing boxes. And I sat down at orientation, and they said, this is, uh, this is what your hourly wage will be. This is how many hours you get. And I went like this. so I said, how many hours? Such and such. I didn't stand up in the orientation. I waited to the end. When I went to the end, I told the man in charge, I said, sir, I appreciate this opportunity. I'm thankful that you offered me this job. But I did the math. I can't make it on that. I, I, I will not make enough money. I'm working my way through school. I got to find something where I can make more money. And I said, "All due respect, I'm not going to come in. I appreciate it, but I can't do it." And so, so I left there. I had uh, 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 had uh, uh, delivered pizzas as a teenager uh, back home. So I went down to Domino's. I knew I, could, I knew how to do that job. I knew I could start making money right away while I was looking for something better. And I started right away uh, uh, delivering, delivering pizza until my car broke down. And then I had money to fix my car. So I found a job uh, at Han Construction. And I was, a, I was a carpenter. You know how I, I was a carpenter? You know why I was a carpenter? I had a tool belt. I had a tool belt. That made me a carpenter. I don't know why. They told me but when I started, so you have to get a tool belt. I got a tool belt. I don't know why I got a tool belt. I never used it. Because the only thing I did was pick up trash and burn it. That's all I did. I didn't get to nail anything. I didn't to hammer anything. Nothing. I didn't get to screw something in. Nothing. And those guys were up there. with. I was like, one day. I was picking up trash. But I was a carpenter for about three months. And then I got laid off. Now, I, I, here's the thing about it. This is the kicker. It was right near the, you know, the wintertime. You know, I was so, I, was, I was, was 12 hours from home. I so wanted to be home for holidays. I didn't get to go on Thanksgiving. I didn't have the money to go home. And I want to go home for Christmas. And so I went to my boss and uh, said, Mr. Hahn, I said, I, I'd love, I want to go home for Christmas. He said, we can't. We're too busy. We, got to, we can't. Uh, you, you won't have time to get in the You've got to stay. you got to stay. I was like, sir, I'd love you. He said, no, nah, you've got to be here. We need you. <sighs> Christmas Day fell uh, on a Sunday. You have never seen such a miserable, pathetic, depressed <laughs> 18-year-old in your life as was me that Christmas day. I normally sat up where you see, I love the action, I love church. That day, I went way back under the balcony. It was a low-hanging mezzanine. There was a balcony and a mezzanine. I got up under the mezzanine. It was dark back there, lighting, big what they call K-beams. I sat behind one of those, and I sulked, and I felt sorry for myself. I was enjoying thoroughly my misery. I went back to work. Worked uh, that Christmas week. New Year's Day came. We're out there. And I'm talking about it's like, you know, 10 degrees. 10 degrees. Up 40 miles from Chicago. 10 degrees. And the boss walks up to me. He said, Listen, I, 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 uh, this is your last day. I'm going to have to lay you off. I'm like, Seriously? How come you didn't lay me off a week ago? I lost that job. So I went to the job that I have least enjoyed of any job that I've ever done, and I wound up at a call center, uh, trying to uh, trying to sell lawn care to somebody. And I said, "This is definitely temporary." And I found a good job building trailers in Monon, Indiana, uh, near uh, near Rensselaer. And about an hour and 15, 20 minutes south of the college campus. And, uh, and I got, and making a good wage. And, uh, and I was excited and, uh, and worked that job for, 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 about, for about two months and got laid off. Finally, that summer, right at the end of the summer, I got a job in overnight transportation, which I kept for the next four years. That's a total of one, two, three, four, five, six jobs I had in less than one year my freshman year. Now let me tell you something. You know what? I, you know what I did. You know what I learned to do because of that, because of those, because of those tempta- because of those trials. I learned to pray. I'd get off work. I remember that construction job. Sometimes coming back, come uh, uh, back to campus. We'd, of course, when it got dark, you know, we'd, we'd close up shop, and I'd get back to campus, and I'd take off running. There's some woods behind the college campus, and I'd run back there. Literally, I so needed God. I so needed God. And I'd fall on my face, and I'd weep, and I'd cry, and I'd pray, God, help me, please. I know I was dumb. I should have listened to my dad's advice, and I didn't, and I brought this on myself. Please have mercy on me. I still want to do what you've called me to do. I'd come home from that call center, and, 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 and we'd get a mile or two from the campus, and I'd ask the guys, would you let me out? And I'd walk, and I'd take that time, and I'd walk back to the campus, and I'd just walk and talk to God. I'd walk down the side of the highway. Oh, God, help me, please. Have mercy on me. Now listen to me, parents. Listen what I'm saying is this. That that, that is part of preparation. Hardship is what gets us ready for the things that come still in our life. Whatever you're going through right now, listen to me, you pass it by faith and go on by faith because God is preparing you for another stage of life. Number three, let me give you this word. Realization. Realization. While you are anticipating and while you are preparing, make sure that you realize what is in front of you. What, don't miss the moment that you are in. This parable, if somebody would have stopped and realized, well, wait a minute, we, we, we used the wrong seat here. <laughs> wait a minute. Then the harvest could have turned out so very differently. How many times in our life we don't stop to think about what is right in front of us. Uh, Stacy and I, my youngest daughter here, we like to, uh, we enjoy, we take the epic times, and that's a great news source by the way. And uh, and uh, but we like to, enjoy, we enjoy those uh, the uh, uh, the can you can you spot they come in the I don't know what section that they call that but anyway but but they'll have pictures they have pictures of spotted owls and and so forth, and animals, and birds, and uh, the, the snow leopards have been several of the snow. There's photographers, and they take pictures of wildlife of these animals in the picture, and they say, can you spot the animal? And you sit there and study the picture, and study the picture, and not be able to find them. And in the next picture, it'll show you, there's four owls sitting on that wall, and you can't even see them. It's just incredible. Now, how many times in our lives is the goodness of God been poured out on us? And the truth is, our spirit is such, our focus is such in life, we cannot see what is right in front of us. We cannot see what God has done for us. We cannot see His goodness. We cannot see His grace. We cannot see His blessing. What we need to do is stop and realize God has been better to me than I deserve. Can I get an amen? Every one of us, the goodness of God will lead you to repentance, the Bible says. Stopping and thinking about how good God is, how gracious God is, how He's kept back from us what we truly deserve, how He's heaped daily, one of my life's favorite verses is, how about the Lord? Daily loadeth us with benefits, how every day He loads us, our hearts and minds and lives up with His benefits. Realization. Realize what you have where you are. Listen, don't believe. That all the good stuff about life is out there somewhere. That's what gets you in trouble. All the good stuff in life is out there somewhere. Listen, whatever your life stage, enjoy it to the fullest. Realize what is good about that life stage. Don't, don't try to be, listen, if you're 12, play with dolls. Girls, if you're, not boys. (laughs) Let me clarify. Sad to have to clarify that in these days, but if you are a girl. Girl. Opposite of boy. Amen? Um, Anyway, if you're a girl, play with dolls. Enjoy that. Enjoy being a girl. There's too much innocence being taken from us. Too much innocence being taken from us. You know, not that many years ago, two, two friends, two girls... Could, could casually walk in public down the sidewalk holding hands, just, just swinging their arms, holding hands together, two friends. But America has lost her blush. America's innocence is nil, well nigh completely gone. And it's a shame. We're spoiling another generation, trying to pervert their minds while they're still little ones. Oh, listen to me. Don't don't believe that, that that somebody else's situation is where joy is. No, no, no. Realize what God has given you and thank Him for whatever... Listen, if you, you say, I, 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 single people want to be married, married people want to be single. How do we fix this? Single be, want to be single, married want to be married. Amen? And if God gives you something that desires your heart, that's wonderful, but it ought not be your desire such to the point of dissatisfaction with the life situation that God has given you number 4 appreciation number 4 appreciation this parable is about appreciation which is taking the time to enjoy what you have taking the time to enjoy what you've accomplished when you when you uh, uh, anticipate and look towards something and have that joy and then you prepare and you make ready for the next Uh, stage of life, you're preparing in this stage of life for the next stage of life, and you realize what what God has done for you here and now, right now, then take the time to rejoice over it. Take the time to be thankful. Take the time to express that. Take the time to really appreciate what God has given to you, what God has done for you. The Bible says this uh, in uh, three different times in the book of Ecclesiastes very similar wording it says there's nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and enjoy good in all of his labor this is the gift of God unto the sun after that anticipation and that preparation uh, 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 comes a time uh, uh, of, of appreciation where you look back and you get to enjoy what God has given you. So this is the fruit of my labor. This is what I did. I can, hey, I can still go by a condominium complex when I drive up to Northwest Indiana. I can, I can go by there and I can say, you know, I, I helped see all those, those, those uh, townhomes that were built over there. I helped with that. That means I picked up the trash and burned it while they were building it. But I helped. Amen and there's a certain sense of pride in that accomplishment and may i say oh god help us to take time to appreciate what god has given us help us take time listen that comes and this is this is one of the disadvantages by the way of this information age if you will is that meditation is almost lost in this in this environment and by the way meditation it's not sitting Indian style with your, your your index finger or whatever finger and your thumb together, clearing your thoughts, your mind of all thoughts. That's Eastern mysticism, and it is satanic. You do not clear your mind and invite some other spiritual influence. Meditation in the scripture, which is the path to success and prosperity, the Bible tells you, is to focus your mind, not empty your mind. Focus your mind. Focus your thoughts. Meditate there in day and night. The Word of God. That's Bible meditation. Amen. That was free. That wasn't in the outline, but you don't have to pay for that. That's meditation. But we are not meditating. Why? Because we're so used to having everything instantly. We want everything instantly, and and if we don't get it instantly, we 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 just go we swipe to the next thing. We get an instant satisfaction, swipe, we're going to the next thing. But meditation and the fruit of meditation means stopping and slowing down your life and turning away from the distractions and turning down the volume of your life. It means solitude. Be still and know that I am God, the Bible says. It means solitude and time with truth at your, at your fingertips, your heart open in sincerity and prayer to God, communing with Him, communing with His Word, thinking about life, thinking about your relationships, Thinking about the people that matter to you. Listen, the sad thing is this: the sad thing is this is most moms and dads will live and die without ever having the the the, the due expression of gratitude and thanksgiving from those that mom went to the jaws of death to give birth to, and dad worked and went to went to worked night and day to feed. And it's sad. Many a teacher will, will will weep and cry and prepare and work and teach and impart truth to the minds and hearts of children who will never take the time to appreciate. Never take the time to say, thank you, listen, you're missing one of the great joys of life. And that's stopping to think about what's in front of you, realizing it, and then extending thanks and gratitude to God and to others. The last word is the word application. The word application. The word apply means to give yourself to something. To give yourself to something. The Bible tells us, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might." The Bible also says, "Whatever thy hand findeth to do, do it heartily with all your heart, as unto the Lord, not unto men. Four times in the Psalms and Proverbs, the Bible uses this phrase, apply thine heart to four areas, instruction, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. I remember I read a couple of uh, books by Ben Carson, the famous um, uh, neurosurgeon, first man to... Uh, surgically separate conjoined uh, twins, and if you remember that from years ago, and, uh, but Dr. Ben Carson uh, ran for uh, president several years ago, and uh, anyway a good, a good a good a very, very good man and, uh, uh, but in, in one of his books, and this is not an exact quote, but oh, he, well he let me tell you a little bit of his story uh, when he was a boy, uh, his his mother was raising him and his brother. And his dad uh, uh, traveled uh, 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 and so forth like that, and and uh, and dad wasn't in their life a whole lot. And then one day, mom, you know, just a young mother, she's a teenage mother, two sons. Mom found out that dad had another family in another state, another wife, another set of kids, and she said, "Austin, l- vista, bye, see ya. And so she began to rear those boys by herself. She was illiterate. She could not read. She could not write. And her sons didn't know it. She would clean to provide for those two boys. She would clean the home of a wealthy man. And one day she was in there cleaning his library, this vast library. And it dawned on her maybe there's some connection between these books and this man's success and prosperity. She went home from work that day, found her two sons sitting in front of the television, watching whatever, and she walked over and she turned that television off. And she said, boys, you will watch no television until you turn in, you go to the library, take out two books, read them, and give me a written report on those two books, then you can watch television after that. And they said what most kids would say. Where is that? My life's over. No TV. Oh. Probably the same way if you try to take your kid's phone. And uh, anyway, but she stuck to it. She stuck to it. And those boys learned to love reading. They became extremely well-read. They did not even know she couldn't read or write. They would write the report, and they'd say, Mom, uh, 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 get a book for example, and say, Mom, I, I, I can't... What is this word right here? And she'd look at it. She'd say, well, son, sound it out. And they'd sound it out. she said, good job. They didn't even know she couldn't read or write. And those young men, one of them became... I think his brother's an attorney. Somebody might know the answer to that. I think that's correct. But anyway, he's got a professional career... And Ben Carson, of course, of neurosurgery fame. Those men, here's what Ben Carson said. And this is not an exact quote, but this is this is I read this in one of his books. So Forgive this is not being an exact quote. But here's what he said. He said this: You will spend if you apply yourself for the first twenty years of your life, you'll reap the benefits for the next sixty. If you will apply yourself for the first twenty years of your life, you'll reap the benefits for the next. 60 years young people some of you you said ah, I hate school let me let me let me interpret that for you you hate your own future <laughs> you think you hate school I don't want to go to school you think you don't want to go to school you wait until you get into adulthood throw it in the towel on school or not do your best in school you wait till you get out there and you're punching that clock or you're you're Forgive me, I'm not trying to disrespect anybody, but you're standing on the side of the road with a sign that says, I need formula for my babies. You wait till you get out there and you'll, you'll, you'll hate life. You think you hate life now? No, you don't. This is love compared to what you're going to feel out there one day when you're not prepared for life. Listen to me, listen to me. Hey, hey, application, apply yourself without application, without taking what has been given you, anticipation and preparation, working and preparing and without without uh, realizing what you have and appreciating it, listen, you will come to a place in your life if you fail to apply what's been given you and by the way, let me just say, listen, uh, I, this is not tooting my own horn, but if it is if you take it that way, then fine, I'm tooting. Here we go. I, I'm saying you sit in this church and you sit in these pews and you, and you go to that Christian school over there and you sit in those Sunday school classes and you sit in that man right there you have been given some things. Your parents that are here with you, you've been given some things you know right from wrong. You've had the opportunity for a good education you've been taught this book and you have a chance to build a life that's honorable and productive and successful and if you waste that that's on you and on nobody else You can go out here like a bunch of other bitter young adults and go back and blame your pastor and blame your youth pastor and blame your mama and blame your daddy but all you'll do is go further down the tubes than you already have. Why don't you stand up on your own two feet and take some responsibility for yourself and if given an opportunity to have a science class do your best. Have an opportunity to learn how to read and write do your best. Have an opportunity to learn something about your history do your best, do your best. Apply yourself. Or one day you'll look at the vineyard of your life And you'll say, I got bitter grapes. And it wasn't planning for this. What area of your life needs application this morning? Your marriage? Your marriage? Child training? Schoolwork? Sunday school class? Professional development in your field of work? Your bus route? At the church? Your soul winning? Your walk with God? What area needs application? Let me give you some final thoughts and I'll be done. You want to make, again, the title of this message, making the most of your life. You want to make the most of your life? Stop dwelling on your disappointments. Stop dwelling on your disappointments. How many of you have been disappointed before? Okay. Guess what? We've all been disappointed. Look, if you if you have neglected something in your life let's, let's make the most of what we have left amen pastor I've neglected so okay make the most of what you have left did you ever notice that story about the parable Jesus fed not a parable excuse me the story in the Bible but Jesus fed the 5,000 fed the 4,000 two different occasions 5, you know what the Bible records afterwards the leftovers how many of you are left leftovers leftover guy I love leftovers amen one of the great disappointments of my life is I get all my leftovers, put it there, and then go up and pay the ticket, and I go home, and I realize I left my leftovers. Ah! But I like leftovers. And God, He records, He said, there's 12 baskets full of leftovers. Listen, God is for salvaging what's left. God is for salvaging what's left. If you've neglected something, make the most of what you have left. If you've lost something, then make the most of what you still have. Listen, don't spoil your marriage because you lost a child. Don't spoil your child and and the development of your children because you lost your marriage. Don't spoil... Your, your effectiveness in the work of God because things aren't good at work or whatever. Don't listen. Listen, I, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a grandfather. I'm a friend. I'm a pastor. I'm I'm a, I, I'm a, a, an overseer of our ministry and staff. I'm, I'm a lot of relationships. If one of those goes south, if I lose one of those relationships, instead of just mourning and pining away because I lost that one, why don't I take that excess time and resources that I don't have to invest there anymore? I lost that opportunity for whatever is my fault or someone else, it doesn't matter if it's no longer not to. Why not take those added resources and invest them in what you still have? Don't let your children suffer because your marriage suffered. Don't become bitter and angry and shoot pot shots at your ex for the rest of your life and turn your kids bitter. Make the most of what you have. You want to make the most of life. Last thought. Make sure you get ready for eternity. If you want to make the most of life, make sure you get ready for eternity. My freshman class in Bible training, Dr. Larry Smith was the teacher of personal evangelism class. And every Monday morning he would take uh, testimonies from over the weekend. Did you get to witness to somebody? And did you get to lead a soul to Christ? And, of course, you know that's carried over here in our church and um, anyway, but I remember my freshman year, 18 year old, sitting in a class, and a young man raised his hand. He said, I was in a bump up. <clears throat> Someone hit me from behind, and uh, the police came, and, and, um, and uh, I, I felt like I was fine, but they said uh, it was pretty significant. He said, So they, they said, No, you probably ought to go to the emergency room, just get checked out, just in case. And I was reluctant to do so, but I went ahead and I did. And, um, and I went to the emergency room. While well, I was in the emergency room, there was a mom and a dad and a little eight-year-old girl in the emergency room. And the Holy Spirit touched my heart to speak to them about Christ. And I, I spoke to them about the Lord, chatted with them, asked them if, if they had been saved. As, as, as my memory serves me, one of them, either mom or dad, was saved, but the little eight-year-old girl and the spouse had not received Christ. And he had the opportunity to go through the gospel with them right there in the emergency room. And they bowed their head with them and they received Christ as Saviour. They took the little girl back finally. It was her turn to go back in the emergency room. Thirty minutes later, horrible news came. They'd taken the girl in for take the little girl in for some testing. And she had gone into shock and died. Thirty minutes after she received Christ as her savior. Brother Bushy, right down here when he was in Thailand, and was it one, two of your sisters or one of your sisters that witnessed to uh, your mom and one of your sisters had witnessed to some children uh, there in Thailand at a park and they received Christ. Now, how long was it afterwards? Within a few days, within a few days of those children receiving Christ as Savior in that park in Thailand, they stepped off a, a weak place in a, in a little, uh, going out into a pond or river uh, and uh, uh, on a, a pier and it gave way, and they fell in and were drowned and killed. Now let me tell you something. I say this. Everybody here could say, I know, I have a loved one. I know someone who died, but I never thought they would go. You, If you are not ready to die, don't you walk out of this place without being prepared for eternity. The songwriter wrote, I dreamed that the great judgment morning had dawned and the trumpet had blown. I dreamed that the nations had gathered to judgment before the white throne. From the throne came a bright shining angel and stood on the land of the sea and swore with their hand raised to heaven that time was no longer to be. And oh, what a weeping and wailing as the lost were told of their fate. They cried for the rocks and the mountains. They prayed, but their prayer was too late the rich man was there but his money had melted and vanished away a pauper stood there in the judgment his debts were too many to pay the great man was there but his greatness when death came was left far behind the angel that opened the records no trace of his greatness could find the gambler was there and the drunkard and they who sold him the drink with people who gave them the license together in hell they did sink the moral man came to the judgment but self-righteousness would not do all the men who had crucified Jesus had passed off as moral men too and the soul that had put off salvation. Not tonight. I'll get saved by and by. No time now to think of religion. But at last, they'd found time to die. And oh, what a weeping and wailing as the lost were told of their fate! They cried for the rocks and the mountains. They prayed, but their prayer was too late. If you have never made preparation for eternity, don't wait. Would you bow your heads, please? Your heads are bowed.